0: Hello, good evening, and welcome to The Game is About Glory. I'm your host, Steph, and joining me tonight are Ram, Ricky, and Milo. Hello, chaps. Oh, yeah. Hey, Steph. Hi, Steph. This is going to be another of those off-the-cuff, gaffs-be-damned episodes, as thanks to the timing of tonight's game at the glorious Citadel of Virtue, Light, and Goodness aka the new lane between ourselves and everton we find ourselves on air within minutes of the final whistle can we keep our knees calm and our tongues fluent will we apply calm and class to our poached post match analysis or even our poached match analysis will we succumb to a volley of hyperbole or will we collapse into crescendo piercing criticisms why don't we all take the ride right now and find out but first of all As usual, we start with our intro question, and this week, in honor of that wonderfully talented scoundrel, Shane Warne, I would like to know, who is the best sports person that you've ever seen in the flesh? And I'm not necessarily talking about their best performance, I'm talking about real generational or even multi-generational talents that we've seen in person, um... Why don't I kick off with you, Ram? Why don't you bring us in tonight?
1: Lovely. Um, I'm going to stay in honour of Orney, I'm going to stay in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, greatest sports person I've, I've seen in the flesh has to be Richie McCaw, the um, New Zealand All Black uh, captain and one of the greatest. He was basically in the team that I consider the greatest sports team that has ever existed and that was that Well, uh, uh World, double World Cup winning all black squad and I was very lucky to see them when they won the um, 2011 World Cup in New Zealand I got to see him a couple of times and there's so many players in that team that could t- take that mantle but I'm going to go for Richie McCall because he's just he's just on a different level. Marvellous
0: a fine start. Ricardo. Tell me. It is sorry Ricky I was trying to be a little <laughs> fancy fall and flash but you've caught me out go on Ricky lay it on us
2: 100% Kelly Slater. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Generational, well, generation after generation of being top of his game. Um, first World Championship in 92. He's won 56 World Championship Tour events. And Gee. probably, I don't know if you heard this, uh, last month he won the Pipe Challenge um, in
0: Hawaii, which was a world championship event, uh, six days short of his 50th birthday. But have you seen him, sir? I've seen him, yeah. Then where the was it? Pro- we, come on. You're you're so good at giving us maps. We enjoy your maps and we enjoy your journeys <laughs> around the country. Where was this? Where did this happen? It's, a, it- it's what's called the Quickie Pro, but that's the Quicksilver Pro in France, which is Hossica, southwest France, because yeah.
2: we quite often um, migrate down to France in September trying to um, drag the uh, summertime out and I'd see him there every year part of the championship tour
0: are you a surfer then
2: yeah 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 really sort of
0: long board short board uh both
2: well i moving on to long balls now because i'm uh probably what am i um I'm probably about four months younger than kelly slater but obviously not as good as him um but yeah he's an amazing amazing really to transcend the generation he's now surfing against the kids that he used to surf against his yeah, yeah. da- their dads when he was older yeah. and um and it's a young guns game, really, surfing. And for him to still do it at 50 years old is absolutely amazing.
0: It is. But when the old masters are going, they still rule the roost. And they don't, oh, they do. and they yeah, don't want to give there's... it up. They do not want to give it up, do they? And, that's what, and that, it's a great pick. It's a great choice. No one
2: wants to give up surfing, Steph. No one. It's no, a way and of it's, life, really.
0: It's a really good call because surfing is just such a, a wonderfully hard but beautiful thing. And when you watch people in their prime and, and expert, you're absolutely right. It's a great call, that. Milo.
3: Funnily enough, I was thinking of Shane Warne when we when I came up with this question. I saw him quite a lot, quite a few times, and was thinking about who he compares to, who I'd seen, who was kind of his peer across other sports. So that's kind of how it came across, and or how it came about. And yeah, I saw him probably the best was um, uh, the Ashes tour here in two thousand and five, where I went to. I was at Lords where England lost, and then I went to two days at the Oval where England won, and he was. A man of the match in a losing side and was absolutely out of this world. So um, I saw I saw him play quite a lot. So he's similar to Ram, So I saw Jonah Lumu play a few times. He was out of this world. Yeah, but I'll, I'll, I'll go with Warren.
0: Can I ask you one thing about Shane Warren? Milo, do you think that he was very much a Paul Gascoigne of the cricket world? I mean, is it easy to make these comparisons or not, or is that just a an ignorant layman's comparison? Because obviously, I think it's well known amongst us. I'm not a huge cricket fan, but obviously, I know enough about Shane Warne to know um, he was one of life's great entertainers.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's similarities. You know, he's a big character. Um, enjoyed life away from the away from the pitch as well. So uh, yeah, I you can see parallels. But yeah, the longevity of his career, I think. Um, you know separates them really,
0: right? Yeah, I'm going to chip in. My my selection. I, I realized looking back through the calendar that it actually within two months in 1980, I saw Diego Maradona at Wembley and John McEnroe at Wimbledon and the center court for his epic semi final against Jimmy Connors. And I've talked about Maradona before, so I'll very briefly focus on McEnroe, who was. Uh, the The punk rock of tennis back then, and it was it was a game where he was raging at the umpires, and Jimmy Connors came over and put his leg up on the stand and was sort of like dissing him to some fans in the front, and we just all started heckling him and booing him because we were huge McEnroe fans, and we actually got told to be quiet by center court. And as a caveat, I managed to uh, I ran into McEnroe many many years later, and I actually said to him, I said he'd had a few drinks, and I was quite shy, and I said to him, I must ask you about that semi final because. I know you had many run-ins of Jimmy Connors, but he always looked like the sort of guy who'd shove your head down the toilet, you know, in, in secondary school and flush it like a bit of a bully and a bit of an overall twat. And he just looked at me and he just said, you got it. Gave me a thumbs up. and (laughs) wandered off. (laughs) (laughs) But he was brilliant to watch McEnroe and such a presence. And he really, you know, a a really exciting talent. And of course, Diego Maradona before it, what a time to be alive. Um, Mm. What a time to be alive now. And we're going to look back at the week that was. i going to segue out from talking about all those talented people to talk about a new talent on our club. Well, he's not so new, I suppose, but he's an emerging talent, is Ryan Sessignon. And Gary Jacob in The Times is reporting that we are offering Ryan Sessignon a new deal. He's definitely a favourite with Antonio. So given that his current deal runs until June 2024, with the club holding the option of a further season, he must really be impressing people, right?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, he's yeah. um, he's had a good run under Conte, and he's uh, yeah, he's he's definitely worth a, a pay rise and a and a few extra years.
2: I did, I mean, I did hear he's on fifty five grand though, which I thought was quite a lot to start with. Oh, I mean, yeah, certainly. it's a little bit behind,
3: it's a little bit behind the lower paid members of the team, isn't it? I would have thought probably twenty grand up on that. I would have thought.
0: We're at this wonderful point of the pod where we're the, the leisurely discussing the uh, comparative wages of professional footballers. He's brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> uh, 50 grand is a bit much. Uh, maybe not so much. Give him another 20, 25. But it is all relative, yeah. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny, isn't it, the money that they're on. And, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I think that his performances are showing that he is definitely uh, finding the confidence and going to stride on and stride on. And I think it's a good investment. I mean, that's what it comes down to in modern football,
3: and it's kind of standard practice for us, isn't it? Is to have start someone off on a low salary and then kind of bump it up as they're in line with their performances, and you know, give them a new contract every year or so. So, yeah, yeah. if he's happy, then that's, I think that's really good. Yeah, yeah, and I think we'll
0: be discussing um, Ryan Sessignon's uh, happiness in the next uh, twenty minutes as we move on to tonight's game. My knees are calm. I'm going to try and keep the hyperbole in check. It was, in case you weren't watching, a 5-0 thumping. And it really was a thumping of of Everton, who, after the first 20 minutes, I thought were one of the uh, saddest teams I've seen. Because there was a lot of talent out there, but there really was no organisation. And this is funny. It's funny, Milo. It points to something that you said earlier in the season about um, when they got Lampard in and you really didn't rate him as a manager. And I have to say, you know, I think we all saw that tonight. He was hopeless, hopeless at the you know showing any signs of getting the game back for them and it was a canter for us but I'll start with you on that point Milo with Lampard um, you know our team selection versus going into a game against Frank Lampard any any correlations there do you think Conte was looking at Lampard and what he's been doing and picking his team accordingly or was it same as same is
3: no i don't think we changed anything for uh, lamp for um, everton particularly i think he picked his first choice side uh, of the players he's got available at the moment With regards to Everton, I thought basically when their plan A didn't work, they didn't have anything to fall back on. And I thought they were kind of caught in between. So early on in the game, they were having a moderate amount of success in pressing us. But of course, the way we play, we're inviting teams onto us so we can play through them and, and attack space behind. So in a way, it was playing into our hands. And as soon as we got, I think, a couple of goals up, they were then caught in between and didn't know whether... Yeah, they didn't want to commit men forward because they were scared about leaving space. Um, but then we're in, you know, they were betwixt and between. They weren't really anything because they weren't offering much of a threat going forwards. But they were still pretty crap at the back. So yeah, it was. I think if if they'd had if they'd scored first, I think it becomes a different game because they got they've got something for their early pressure. Um, but we were pretty comfortable with it, played through it, and yeah, I I thought it was pretty much your classic Conte game. I think we, he would have been very happy with the way we dealt with that pressure, how we played through it and, and took advantage.
0: Yeah, Ricky, how did you feel uh, about our approach uh, to the game from the kickoff? Because it, it looked to me as though for some time, about a good 15 minutes or so, it looked to me to be a really scrappy game between two sides lacking confidence who couldn't find any fluency. But uh, perhaps you saw something different?
2: Um... No, I certainly did. In the first 10 minutes, I agree with what you're saying there. I thought that we certainly were letting Everton feel their way into the game, I thought. And and although we kind of sat deep a little bit, we tried to. We actually played with a bit of confidence. We tried to play through their press and did actually in those first two minutes give it away a bit. It, and that kind of made me feel, oh, no, it's not going to, you know, because I think we said before how we start the game tends to sort of carry on how the game unfolds after that. But, um, when we had the first goal, um, that just settled us down and the second goal came. And I think, as Milo said, I think we'd quite happily then spend some periods in that kind of 5-4-1 shape and then Everton can try to get through us. But, um, and that's that approach suits us because as we saw, as soon as we drag, one of their centre-halves out or something, the space behind is just there to hit all the time. And so that was our approach. Our approach was set by then, and Everton were in a whole load of trouble by that time. Two goals down. What could they do? Because they didn't, they didn't really make much impression on us at all. We were solid at the back.
0: Yeah, Ram, I, I want to actually go to that first goal because I think that we've just been talking about uh, Sessegnon's uh, contract wages, um, rewards, so on and so forth for his recent performances. And I thought that that first goal really, really exemplified everything that we're seeing Sessignon now do that he wasn't doing before he absolutely attacked that ball with nothing in his mind other than to get across in which is what you've hoped for from him and what what we've wanted um discuss a little more about the Ryan Sessignon that we saw tonight and that we're seeing in general these past few games if you would
1: sure um the Ryan Sessegnon tonight and and what we've been seeing in the last few games, I mean, that's the player we bought. That's the player we thought we were getting and the one we were going to nurture into. And, you know, he, he's had a troublesome time with us, not through, through no one's fault. You know, he's been injured. He's had, you know, the, 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 there's been issues like that. But he really was that that kind of driving um player down the flank that uh that we knew we were getting and he um i thought davis um davis uh, Davies oversold him um when he when he hit the pass forward but actually looking at it i think maybe he thought i know ryan's gonna get on that because <laughs> because he did he just drove right right through it and then even when he got to the ball i thought oh I didn't expect him to get the cross in and he did, you know, and, and he's showing he's showing a lot of verve and he's showing I know we've talked in the past about him maybe being a bit timid, but he's definitely not showing that now, you know. He's he's really getting stuck in and um and I think he's, there's a lot of confidence in his play. He feels like um I think he's I, I said it I said this about Doherty in, in, in our match uh chat but uh, I think I'd say the same about Cessignon. he's enjoying himself um, and I think there, there's, a, there's a big thing that uh, that's that's a big difference between you know before when he was playing under pressure um because he'd had a bit of a stop-start um, time of it but yeah you know he's been he's been scintillating at times for us down that flank.
3: Yeah the real ding-dong battle with Gordon in that first half didn't he? It petered out a mm. bit in the second half but I mean and obviously Gordon loves that pitch so much that he was quite keen to throw himself onto it and have a good roll around and have a you know inspect the uh, uh inspect the pitch. But um I thought Gordon was a real handful and you know, I suppose this, he's probably one of the players you're thinking of when you're talking early on about um, it being a bit scrappy and uh, us losing possession or getting overturned. Um, but I thought as the half went on, Cessonian really grew into it and and got his measure and adapted his game slightly to deal with it. Um, yeah, I thought he had a really good game or a really good half.
2: Yeah, it was very, it was great to see him in the celebration as well because they caught him as he went to the corner flag. They had Absolutely. a real release of a real release of like, yes, this is what it's all about. <laughs> And um I think there might be a well, it could be a small similarity here to when Benny got injured that time and Bale managed to come into the yeah. team and yeah. got that run on the left side and Sessignon's benefited well from yes. you know sadly that uh, uh, Reggie had covid and he's got a little run in the game in the in
0: the uh, run in the side there
2: I'm just hoping that what I saw at half time there wasn't like bad news to Sessignon. but mm. yeah you'd hope you it, a, d-
0: you'd hope it's precautionary I mean I would hope that in all the subs well we'll talk about the subs in, in a little moment while we're on wingbacks, it would uh, be churlish of us not to mention the man who never smiles, um, the, the blue steel of Tottenham Hotspur Football Club currently, uh, the Renaissance uh, man, perhaps, and Harry Kane's golfing partner, it seems, which their connection on the on the links seems to be translating to on the pitch. I'm talking about the mighty Matt Doherty. Uh, Milo, um, what did you make of his performance tonight?
3: Yeah, I thought he had a good performance. Uh, I think it's a game that suited him, Everton, Gave him plenty of space to get into. Um, you know the point I made last week about him coming aside and uh, decky staying wide. I think was even truer today. Quite often, um, you know, D- Dirty was going, you know, very very deep in uh, in in field. And you know, if you think about the uh, cross for Kane's second goal, yeah, he he was very very deep in field. Then I, I think he's being aided by the players around him. Uh, it, it suits him. He's. You know he's got players who can um you know cover for some of his weaknesses, and he's he's making the most of his running the team
0: side of a good manager who can find a way to bring the best out of a player who previously has been rendered fairly uh ineffective by by other by but well by the previous manager, I
3: suppose we'd have to say no uh three managers, the previous three managers, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Just aside from, obviously, uh, the system does work well for, this system works well for Doherty, but how much of an influence do we think that uh, uh, decky has actually been on how comfortable he's feeling down that flank, considering decky can play that right wing back role and mm. um, they seem to built a bit yeah. good, good report. yeah i think that's yeah. what my
0: i think that's essentially what milo was just saying I, no. I mean i think i think we're in agreement on that i think it's a really, yeah. really good point yeah. point. and i think again it shows that conti and it's something that i'm really excited about in terms of conti's development as a manager because uh let, let's let's not beat around the bush here conti's learning on the job here he's never had a job like this before this is hard work mate you know you've you got to make it happen um and he is making the very best of the tools he has by arranging them in a fashion that makes sense for all of them I, I love to see it
3: yeah I mean I think like, like we said at the end of the transfer window I think it was always going to be a case of trying to make the best of what he's got until the summer um yeah I think Doherty is a long way short of you know the ideal um Conte wing back. um but certainly for games like this at the moment he's the best we've got for for the more open games and I think you know we've got a we've got 12 games left we've got a you know, use use what we've got to get to the end of that and try and finish as high as up, up the league as we can and then see where we are in the summer. And, you know, I think right wing back is going to be a priority position still. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if he went in the summer, but he's going to go, if you, know, when he does go, he's going to go with this stock a lot higher than it would have done if we'd sold him in January or, or last summer and hopefully for more money.
0: I, of course, retain my view that he will become uh, a valued member of the squad and alternate with whoever comes in. I do agree we are going to need another right wing back, but I'm certainly hopeful that his recent performances will keep him firmly in the Tottenham Hotspur squad. I, I'm becoming a fan. I, one, one quick question before we move on. Uh, did anyone actually see him smile tonight? I'm trying to, I'm trying to note that the, in the in the Doherty smile count, did anyone yeah. notice a smile? I did not. I did. You did. He did in one
2: of the uh, scoring huddles where everyone was like backslapping slapping each other and cuddling.
0: Wasn't a forced smile, yeah. right? It was a proper, genuine, no, it wasn't. I'm happy no. smile. <laughs>
2: yeah genuine I think he only he got two assists tonight didn 't he I think
0: well, he got two assists and, and and yeah he could have had more i mean he was he was unlucky with a couple of those passes, especially the the one to Sonny that I thought could have yielded a little more but uh anyway, well good, Doherty smiling and uh talking as we were just then about uh making the best of our squad and uh you know it's you know we do need another striker in the summer, so I suppose we have to plod along with this Kane and sun lark that we've we 're dealing with. Oh poor old us right let's face it they did they did really have a good a good time tonight didn't they uh Sonny I thought recovered from a fairly jittery start if we're fair to uh to find his feet pretty quickly and and Harry was harry uh so a uh, wide open question anyone take jump in on this are we seeing them hit form at the right time for us? Do we think now the synergy is f- in full gear for the rest of the season?
3: yeah, I mean I think so I mean kane on this form is. The best, one of the top three players in the league. I think um, Salah and De Bruyne are the only players who get close to him, I think, in terms of quality when he's playing like this. Son is not far behind. And if they can carry on playing like this, then we're going to do all right. And we're going to cause everyone problems. And again, you know, as I said last week, I think Deki coming in has added something else to that. It's um, he, he takes a bit of the pressure off of Kane, I think. Um, and just having someone who's a bit more physical up there and can can mix it and uh you know also has a you know nice range of passing, I think takes the pressure off a bit and it looks like a really nicely balanced uh, front three, which is you know not what we've had for the last few years.
0: Yeah, and we also mm-hmm. tonight saw a long sleeved insuicent, uh supremely confident display from our other January window signing, uh, Rodrigo Bentoncourt and, uh, and Ram, why don't you talk to us a little bit about how important it was to have, uh, Rodrigo back, especially as you were the one who made the, uh, the Berber comparison in our, in our <laughs> chat thread. And I thought it was, I thought it was quite, quite well made actually, because he does have that gliding, gliddy, Glody gliding air about him—that's a flub. Yeah, it,
1: it, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. He—he he seems do, yeah. to just
0: go smoothly. You know, when ZZ Top do that thing where they play and they're on. There's a moving ramp, and it looks like they're moonwalking as they're playing guitar. Have you? Any of you ever seen that? You, am I speaking to the wrong people here?
1: <laughs> I don't know how we've gone from Berbatov to ZZ Top. Well, if you look like it, it up,
0: if you look up, if you look up Billy Gibbons and Dusty Hill doing what looks like the moonwalkers, they play like "Gimme All Your Loving or whatever uh, on yeah. at a live performance. They've got a, a move walkway and it looks like they're doing a moonwalk and they're just in smooth in motion seamless let's get back yeah. to Rodrigo Bentoncourt yeah. <laughs> the Billy Gibbons of Tottenham Hotspur's midfield <laughs> um, I, I actually
1: made the um I, I did it in the chat tonight but I also made the Berber comparison in a previous pod and it is I think I think he's definitely he's got the long arms and the long sleeves which obviously helps but he does have he's this got long arms <laughs>
0: He That's has really. He's got long now arms. I have like to does he really arms. have long arms? He does. He's, he's got, got okay. great reach. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's got great reach.
0: All the more to but- <laughs> hold an insouciant cigarette with post-match. I wonder if he smokes. <laughs> anyway, I bet he does. Mm. I
1: bet he does. But yeah, he um, he's just he, I, I, he's just very elegant and he's very assured. There's, there was a couple of times tonight, even like you know, the ball came to him and there was and there was pressure on him, and he kinda he just made the right decision every single time, whether it was one touch, whether he took a touch, whether he let it run past him. everything he did was the right choice um and and he just brings a ve- he very much brings a sense of calm into that middle, but he can also pick a pass he can he can glide past players as well um and he can tackle you know he, he can put a tackle in so so he's um He's Not always really successful with his tackles, but but he puts them in, that's for sure, you know. And and uh, and I, I do think there's like this slight arrogance, um, in his play, which I really enjoyed, which which Berber had as well. Um, and I think he's he's very much welcome back tonight. And I hope he can start, um, against Man U as well.
3: Yeah, there's just a little bit of bite to his game, isn't he? And he adds that to the team as a whole, um, you know. with... Was it f- five minutes left when he took out Richarlison uh, on the on the left of the pitch? Just went straight <laughs> Another through. Another
0: player who enjoys
3: inspecting the turf at various yeah. football stadiums <laughs> around the country. It must be said. Uh, and you know he had a little stretch after that, didn't he? Because he, he, I don't know, he tweaked yeah. something, or he felt something as he went through him. But you know, five nil up with five minutes left on the clock, you, you, he'd be you, he could be forgiven for kind of guiding him out or just you know just getting in his way a bit. But um, yeah, he had yeah. other ideas. Yeah, I mean, I'll agree with Ram. He's certainly,
2: um, he's got confidence in his own ability, definitely. And um he also sort of plays he's kind of so in control of himself. When you watch Winks or Hoiberg, they're a bit like kind of frantic in the head and he doesn't seem to have any of that. He's definitely playing with his head up all the time, aware of what's going on. And he's got an engine on him, he really does chug around quite a lot. He's, he's and he makes those in the first half he makes those kind of little raid impresses sometimes, but then later on, even like when Milo said it looked like he tweaked himself, he's still burning around the pitch once he'd kind of got over that. But um the other player he rides a little bit of is Popescu. I think he's a bit of a kind of midfield.
0: That's a very, very good shout.
2: Yes. Someone very much in control of the midfield. What a player he was.
0: Crikey, what a player he was. That's a really good shout, actually. Mm. Uh, Yeah, he is definitely a hybrid of the two now that you say it. I I, Mm. I like that shout a lot. Yeah. Yeah, Very good indeed. Um, I also, I have to say, you know, we talked about how important it is to have a press-resistant midfielder, and he most certainly is that. He is completely unafraid of receiving the ball under pressure, holding the ball under pressure. And as you quite rightly said, Ram, he does make pretty much the right decisions most of the time. Um, It's going to be really important to keep him fit for the running. There's no doubt uh, whatsoever. And it's funny we mentioned Hoibera. Once again, uh, Ricky, you were talking about the Bentecourt's sort of chugging around. I mean, I, I see Bentecourt much more as like the, you know, a hybrid or an electric car mm-hmm. next to Pierre's sort of Popeye the Sailor Man chugging <laughs> like tugboat or whatever. He's like, uh, Pierre chugs around. He I mean, he got through a lot of work tonight again. And, uh, you know, it, it does seem to be the midfield duo. I wonder where Skip fits into this. I mean, he will fit in. I, I mean, I, but I wonder where and how and when. Uh, right now, they seem to be forming a partnership.
2: Chugging was the wrong word for Pentacle. That's a terrible choice <laughs> of words. Sorry about that. Um, but just going back to what we were saying about um, um we both, I mean, we, we should just be so happy that two January sign-ins have seemed to have hit the ground running. I mean, let's face it, they both look like first-team players.
1: So... Just to I add just to that, to I I was going to ask you guys just very quickly off off kilter a bit. But if those two, if we get top four, if, um, can we say that Paratici has done his job essentially just just with those two signings getting those through? Because that's essentially what we what the the target was. And these two coming in has changed our you know our, the, um, it's, it's it's improved our play for sure. They're contributing aren't
0: they? Yeah. yeah. May I take the opportunity to answer a question first, as I usually ask them. Uh, I. I, I think it's a good. I think it's a really good shout. But I think you'd equally say that it's the players he's moved on that have been just as important because he's given Conti mm. a, a, a a good clean palette to work from. But I do mm. agree. You would have to say that two for two. You know that's good targeting. Uh, mm. But I think, and we'll talk about the players that were moved on. It'll be relevant to this game a little later. But um, yeah, I, I I think you'd have to say it would be so far so good. Look, I mean, if we get top four, you would have to say that our incomings including director of football and manager, have, I think, probably exceeded the brief. The brief that Antonio said he hasn't uh, actually received from anyone <laughs> in a press conference, which is kind of bizarre. But he will have exceeded my brief, if not my expectations, because I expect us to be mm. top four. But let's be honest, it's oh, yeah. a push. I, you know,
2: I think the bonus written into um, Conte's contract for getting top four will be his brief. He'll know what um, he wants to <laughs> <Yeah>. do. <laughs> yeah,
0: very nicely put. Um, let's move on to whether it was the right decision to take Romero off on 50 minutes, uh, it's it, it's an interesting side point. Uh, we had a commentary team telling us they thought it was an injury. I didn't think it was. I thought it was precautionary, just to yeah. to protect him and mm-hmm. to make sure that he is on the pitch on Saturday. Um, exactly. I, 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 I think... I, I'm interested to hear what you guys think. I mean, I think you all. I think my opinion was fairly straightforward on it.
2: Yeah, I think it was just red card protection. I think sort of a couple of minutes before that, he did a bit of a sandwich tackle with Hoiberg on yeah. Calvin Lewin, and they probably thought we'd already scored the fourth goal. Mm-hmm. And the only thing, the only way you can lose in that game is him getting a second yellow for a red. And I honestly probably think that was the same as Sun because Sunny was on a yeah. yellow as well. Yeah. And Sunny's probably not going to get a yellow, but sometimes you can get a stupid yellow f- for an accident. You know, you well his first yellow was fairly stupid.
0: To be fair, yeah, it was unnecessary.
2: So, didn't have to So, do. you know, we want we want both of them on the pitch Saturday. They're massive players for us.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. I think he was um yeah, we're 4-0 up. It's time to start thinking about the weekend, resting some legs, avoiding yeah, suspensions, isn't it? Yeah, it makes sense. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I was I was personally pleased to see it. Uh, and I, I'm pleased to see that sort of uh clever management. And it'll be interesting to see I mean it is a slight worry with with Romero isn't it but that he does uh, I mean that challenge was unbelievably poor I mean it would it would behoove us uh, I to mention it. that if that had happened to one of <laughs> our players we'd have been at my, I I'd have been steaming I'd have been I'd have been looking for a red card I mean it was an
3: orange Can you- we Rich
2: Arliss, Rich Arlison falling onto the turf. Well, he, you know, he, he deserved to fall onto yeah. the turf with that tackle.
3: Yeah,
0: but,
2: but I'm a bit with Milo. I know you're saying it is a really yeah. bad tackle, but there is a little bit of me inside that sort of does. It, it wasn't, I, awesome. I, I it wasn't double,
1: dangerous. I double loved it. I double loved it because it was Rich would
0: Be dangerous if it was done on me. I can tell you that. I would have been uh, if, if I'd have been able to move <laughs> well, afterwards. I'd have, I'd have had words. <laughs> I've quite.
3: Go, oh, on, like go on, No, no, oh. no!
0: You've came off. He was about. He oh, was I'm about serious. to make a comment about the uh, about my my footballing skills attracting such a challenge. If they were, <laughs> if I were lucky enough
3: for them to be good enough to do so. Well, if it if it was you, Steph, he would have got the ball, wouldn't he?
0: <laughs> and he'd have got a bit of my handbag on the side as I went flouncing around, having lost the ball, but actually looking for the foul when it was uh, invisible. So yes, you're probably right, actually.
2: Um he, he, he likes one a game though, doesn't he? Whichever way it comes with Romero. he that, does That one against Burnley where he boomed that bloke in off and <laughs> one tonight. So I'm quite happy if we just you know as long as it doesn't lead to red cards, that's what yeah. we've got to hope. Yeah. We yeah.
3: can't complain about us being soft or, uh, all of the time or you know not having enough fight and then complain when we do have some. I think I I liked it. I like I like that. I like say Benton Kerr going through rich Richarlison as well. I mean you know, if everyone wants to have a hack at him, then I'm I'm happy.
0: Yeah, I mean in fairness we do all enjoy a steaming challenge. I just thought it was well worth calling, you know, the fact that that was a poor challenge. Um, and, and I do hope that he becomes a little more subtle when he puts these poor challenges in because, I mean, you know, Ray Charles saw that one come in. I mean, it was it was a shocker. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, anyway, well, preserved as he was for Saturday, I suppose we should. Um, you know, I mean, do we look at Everton and think that's p- possibly the worst team we've faced this season? Um... Any takers on that? Because I thought that they were, I thought they were shocking uh, once they went two goals down. And I think Lampard has huge problems at that. I club. think they've
2: actually have got some all right players within that mm. squad and that yeah. team. I think, I don't think it's Lampard's fault at the moment, although I will like still fully go with my analysis last week, which was Everton is shit and Lampard is shit. And that's not really changed. I think they were to and Usumov is shit as well. I'm glad he's <laughs> fucked off. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, um Three but, turds
0: yeah, and a fountain Sorry.
2: <laughs> um i'm I, I i do I worry for them? maybe they're sort of you know they're only they are full from bottom they've got games in hand, but their goal differences has now taken a bit of a battering compared to Burnley um, well, they've got but tiny then... hands
0: in gold, they don't ever they don't you know yeah. as well it's tiny a...
2: arms in it? Uh, it whatever tiny today. everything
0: <laughs> today tiny appendages <laughs> from his
3: shoulders
1: Happy birthday, Jordan. It was his birthday
3: their form is worse than i think all but one team in the bottom you know in the bottom 3 yeah i i think they're in trouble i think they are in trouble they've got a tough run of fixtures the squad looks unbalanced to me they've got some good players but it's not a good team mm. um and i think if they go down they've got re- they've got real problems because they're yeah. right at the um right at the threshold of financial fair play the financial fair play rules in the championship are tougher than they are in the premier league they'd have a drop in income and um, the iffy money they had coming in, paying for the stadium, has now got, disappeared. So, the, if they go down, they could be really, they could really be in trouble. I just don't it, see any fighters in that side. It might be a place to go bargain hunting.
2: Yeah. I was going to say, is there anyone to pick from there? Because there's some youngsters that are decent. And, yeah, I,
1: I'd I'd take Calvert Lewin if he was willing to be really second federal today. Yeah, I would as
0: well. Really? Yeah, I think- oh, I thought oh, yeah, today yeah. I saw myself watching him and thinking, you know, I hope Arsenal sign him. I think he's a I think he's a chance. I think he's a one in three player. I don't see it.
2: First game back though, wasn't it for a
0: while? Yeah, yeah. I really, I'd take Gordon for sure.
3: Calvert Lewin, I think, is, I think, I agree with Ram. I think he's a good player. I think he was a bit rusty today. His stats suggest that in a better team, he'd do a lot better than he's doing there. Um, And I mean, it comes down to price, doesn't it? But I think he'd be an able deputy for Kane. I wouldn't want him as first choice. So if Kane was being sold, I wouldn't want him as first choice. But as a a rotation option, I think it'd be useful.
0: Interesting, because I'd be very disappointed if Dominic Calvert-Lewin at this stage of his career would be prepared to come as a rotation player for Harry Kane. I would expect him to look for a move where he's going to be top dog, if indeed he's that good. But, you know, fair enough. If the price is right, I suppose. Yeah, you know. Look at us, we're picking over the ravaged carcass of Everton already.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I uh... It does yeah. depend. It does depend on their financial situation, how desperate they are to sell. If they've if they've mm. got financial play problems and actually some income to spend. I mean, obviously, what we are hoping is we get the first twelve million quid for Delhi because you mightn't even get that at this rate. Well, so,
0: we are. On. I have to. You've brought him up now. I mean, I, I have to. I have to bring it up now. It would be you know churlish not to. Um, if I may, just spend thirty seconds sharing my thoughts on his appearance this evening. I I, I felt a chill down my spine at us singing the song before he came on, I thought it was both beautiful and tragic. Um, it's beautiful to hear, and it's wonderful to hear the synergy that still exists between the supporters and the player, but it's also such a tragic reminder of what was and what clearly does not seem to be anymore. And look, I wear my heart on my sleeve a lot of the time. I've definitely worn it on my sleeve with Dele. um I'm forced, I'm forced to concede, especially watching him tonight. Again, he just looks lost. And it's really, I I found it actually profoundly sad to see. And uh, I I found just the whole thing was was an echo of glory. It was an echo of what once was and what could have been. And um, I I sincerely hope he finds his career again. But, you know, I will say Milo said early on when he went, uh, he said he felt it was the wrong club for him to go to and the wrong manager. And I disagreed because, again, I am an optimist and probably let my heart overrule there.
3: But thus far, I'd have to agree with you, Milo. You're absolutely right i just don't see where he fits into that side i think he's gone to another club that's got the same issue you had with us and that the you know the position doesn't exist there isn't a place there i don't see how you fit um, van der beek and him in the same same side um yeah I, I just think it was the wrong move for him and you know there's half a dozen clubs in the premier league that would have been a better move um and the, you know it would have been better suited to him yeah it's a bit i, I mean like you Steph, i felt sad at, uh, today um you know he'd swapped sitting on our bench looking unhappy to sitting on their bench and looking unhappy yeah. and
0: that shot was um, unbelievable Did, were you talking yeah, about that yeah. early shot they showed of him mm. on the bench where he just looked yeah. completely bereft of anything it was like wow that is so i mean yeah it was really really sad yeah yeah mm. i think we all hope that he finds his career again i'd have to say ricky i don't really see much of a chance of us getting the full 40 uh, I mean, you know, we might get the 10 if he sticks around through the summer. And, and you know, but I wonder what, I mean, does anyone know what happens if Everton sell him in yeah, the summer?
3: There, yeah. there must be clauses in there. We'd be idiots to mm-hmm. do uh, a deal like that, which was basically there to to help them get around FFP. Um, we'd be absolutely mad to do something like that and then not protect ourselves. So there must be a percentage of anything that's sold on. There must be other clauses in there. Um, I think it's twenty perform- 20 games he has to play, but presumably that includes yeah. coming off the bench.
2: Mm-hmm. I think it, it might be that uh, we get the 12 if he plays 20 or we get the 12 if you sell him to someone else and we take the first 12 with a transfer fee or something. Because we've got to protect, as you say, Milo, we've got to protect ourselves somehow.
0: Yeah, I mean, just to round off on him, I think the saddest thing for when I looked at him today was I really remembered, um, and far be it for me to react to any footballer's social media post in such a positive fashion, but I do remember in the summer when he was posting pictures of his ripped self and talking about doing extra gym When he was on holiday and really looking like uh, he was in the best physical shape I'd seen him and really putting in the yards and he was our top runner for the first three games. There's no doubt that he was trying his absolute hardest at that time to to be what a manager wanted him to be. And it's just, I think, a, a tragedy you know, within football terms, obviously, uh, that he has not managed to parlay that into any form or trust from the managers he subsequently worked with. So I don't know if you agree with me. I mean, I really do hope that, you know, he finds himself, um, I'm sure Everton are hoping that he finds himself and gets a chance. So, um, yeah. Okay, well, let's move on to our closing thoughts here on the 5-0 victory. I mean, look, let's let's just take a moment before we do one positive and one negative. 5-0. I mean, you know, Let's sit back and enjoy 5-0, knowing that it could have been 7 or 8. I mean, Eric Dyer's hit mm-hmm. the bar when it's easier to score. Sonny's Mr. Sidder. Uh, you know, we could have really taken him to the cleaners. And we did take him to a cleaners, but possibly not the cleaners. But still, 5-0.
2: Sonny could have had, had a hat-trick in that first yeah. half easily. Yeah. And yeah. that's why I think he was a little bit disappointed when he came off, because he knew he could have probably contributed more or got more goals
0: himself. But hey-ho, save him up for another day. I'll well, save him up for Saturday, hopefully, which we'll talk yeah. about soon. But let's get into those, that one positive, one negative. 3-2-1, um, starting
3: with you, Milo. Uh, positive, uh, Reggie's goal. He's had the yips in front of goal a bit recently. And I think he's been overthinking it a bit. And a nice instinct goal hopefully um, gets that out of the way. And he'll find his form again because he's been getting into the right places, uh, just hasn't been putting them away. So hopefully that's, that's settled. And my negative, you just stole it from me, Steph. Um, we should have had more. And I had a list of the various chances we had. Um, yeah, die header onto the post, sun, the challenge from Gordon. I don't understand why that wasn't a back pass, by the way. This is one of my gripes about, um, uh, a challenge like that going back to a keeper. Why is that different from a pass? Because the effect is exactly the same. Sanchez had a header wide at the death. Um, Doherty was in the box and took too many touches and went the wrong way. There was, there was lots of chances we had for, for more there. Ram?
1: I mean, the positive is our goal difference. Uh, has shot up. We're now one ahead of Man U, and we're I think three behind West Ham, four behind Arsenal. When before the Leeds game, we were in minus, and we're plus eight now. I think so. That's um, that's fantastic. And then uh, I can't look past the negative, uh, other than what Milo said and what we've discussed, which is just we should we could have got more. We could have been even closer. Um, I understand that you know we kind of uh, rest ourselves a bit for sure, like for the, considering we're playing Man U away in the next game. But yeah, we. could have been seven or eight um, and then you know goal difference would have been a a lot healthier than it is but it's a little gripe.
2: Ricky? Um, My positive is it's going to sound boring is Kane again I thought he was excellent again tonight and it was remarkable how that goal was exactly the same as the Leeds goal where it dropped over his shoulder Mm. he just saw it onto his foot and proved that I mean he shouldn't do that too often otherwise it starts looking easy when really that is absolutely well class that kind of finishing um, and my negative is just really that we had to make the subs with Dick. Cause I think it could have been handy if Bentacor or Hoiberg could have come off. Cause mm. they were, you know, they, they, they put a lot of effort in again. And we I presume we're still only on Winks as a rotation option at the moment. But, um. Yeah, small negative.
0: Yeah, I mean my positive actually aside from the whole performance uh, was that we we came out second half like we were like it was nil nil. We came out with intent mm. and we and we actually for once kept our foot on the pedal going in uh, for the first 20 minutes of that second half which was really good and I think that we need to be doing that and I think that that's how we stand a chance of making top 4 is to continue with that and however many goals were ahead or not just you play with that attitude. Um yeah, the the negative would be the finishing but I'm actually gonna I'm actually gonna negate a negative because there were so many positives and we've had enough negatives in, in, in the past. So uh I'll kind of slope off the end of yours there and kinda of nick a little bit of that and say when you've won five nil and battered Everton at home, uh, you know, negatives be damned. Go away. Let's be positive. I'm looking at my notes. It looks like we're now going to talk we're going to talk about borough. Uh, borough Market, it's a, it's a great place, isn't it? Actually, you can I uh, understand it's still a wonderful uh, cuisine <laughs> hasn't been overtaken too much by um, gentrification. I don't think. I think you can still get a good local. Oh, oh, oh sorry, the wrong borough. Oh, that borough. Mm. <clears throat> yes uh, the fa cup game against middlesbrough uh, at the uh, at the riverside uh, which was uh, at least a week ago uh, by the time uh, you're listening to this um, I, I, I mean i've blocked it from my memory chaps i mean you know besides chaps you know these games are really becoming a bit of a rinse and repeat scenario so you know let's let's just not uh you know pick apart what always gets picked apart um uh, let's just apply three simple holistic questions that we could really apply not just to this borough cup tie which we lost one nil in extra time for anyone who has completely forgotten what happened um but the games that we've seen under Antonio which have followed the same pattern uh Ram let me start with you and ask how much of an impact you feel fatigue might have been in this game especially given that we did go to extra time
1: i think that yeah i think in any game uh, especially a cup game that goes into extra time that fatigue could be a factor considering the amount of games that you know we've been playing but i still find it inexplicable that uh with some of these games where we a, a, a winning team doesn't feel fatigued i've heard enough Ex pros say that you know over the years. Well, when you're winning, you don't think about how tired you are. You think about getting on the pitch and winning again. So what I find inexplicable is we can go somewhere and we can win and we can have a great performance, and then we'll go to the to the next game with a similar first eleven and just be completely bereft of ideas or bereft of of verve or you know or, or um or uh, kind of you know drive. So for me, I. I it's something I struggle to see, but maybe you know maybe that's to do with uh, what' we'll ch- you know one of the other questions that's coming up we can that might reveal a bit more about that
3: I mean I think it is a factor. I think um if you look at the borough goal, um, we've got a lot of players out of position for that goal, you know not mentally switched on um, Sun is late back into a defensive position. there are other issues there and I think throughout the game there's quite a few players who looked tired. It was only a couple of days after our previous game. So, yeah, I think it is a factor. I think it is a factor, particularly when uh, he's reliant on such a small group of players.
0: Which is indeed the next question I have for you, Ricky. Uh, are we over-reliant on this small group of players?
2: Um, I think if we're taking it as just the kind of last few months, of, the, uh, well, what is it, the last three, four months of the season we've got to get through, I think, you know, we shrunk the squad down probably at the request of Conte. You know, he wanted to get rid of some people that he didn't want to be here anymore. And I think I said from the transfer window, we've got, we've basically got four centre midfielders to choose from. And then we've got the four forwards to choose from. And then we've got Kulu that can probably play an eight, a 10, a right wing back if he has to. So he's like the floater between the lot. So I think what's come out as a bit unlucky is obviously two of our centre midfielders have been injured at the same time. Uh, Wing backs, we've got four to rotate on there. I mean, obviously Reggie's been ill A bit, and the only other place we're a bit short, I suppose, is if one uh, when one of the centre halves gets injured or suspended or something like that. We're not, we're not, you know, we're really desperate for Davis, Romero, and Dyer to stay fit. But and I think as we got, I think come April we're on one game a week, and I don't feel that we're short really. I think that's just a tight group that you can rely on, and we will be okay. I think personally.
0: Yeah, I mean the other a factor with as i say this result and you can probably throw burnley into that and i'm sure there's a couple of other of these games that capitulated in misery for us that i'm forgetting right now but they follow the same pattern uh, you know milo do you think that you know these sorts of evenings support the suggestion that conti struggles with two games a week and 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 why why could this be
3: um, yeah i think it does um the chap on twitter daniel platt who goes by the name of at voodoo chopsticks um posted something a couple of weeks ago comparing the stats between games where we've had more than five days prep and the ones where we've had uh, less and i i saw sky um nicked it and didn't credit it um tonight in their in their uh, analysis analysis before the game um i've taken daniel's tables and kind of updated them so uh games where we've had more than five days prep we've won six drawn one lost nil so win percentage of 87.5%. Um, games we've had less than five days prep. We've won six, drawn two, lost eight, with a win percentage of 37.5%. So there's a marked difference there. Um, with the minus five days, you've got to bear in mind we've played Chelsea three times in that list, which is going to distort the figures a bit. But there's losses there to Moora and, um, you know, the, the, the Southampton and Wolves games and, you know, Borough. There's, so there's there's some dross in there as well. Um So yeah, I think it does make a difference. And if you look at... Conte's record in Europe. I I mentioned this when he when he first joined us. He doesn't have a very good record in Europe. So um his Champion League seasons um twenty twenty-one with Inter, he went out in the group stage. Nineteen twenty with Inter, he went out in the group stage, seventeen eighteen with Chelsea, he got to, he went out in the last sixteen. Thirteen fourteen with Juve, he went out in the group stage, twelve thirteen with Juve, he got to the quarterfinals. So his best ever run in the Champions League is getting to the quarterfinals. Um and that's with some really good sides he's played with there. And it, so I think it does suggest that um, that he does struggle. I've also got his record down here for the Europa League, and I think we'll gloss over his Europa Conference record as well. But um, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think it does suggest that he he struggles with two games a week. You know my
2: theory, don't you? I gave it on the chat the other day. Is off after claiming I think that Conti is a bit like Spurs Twitter, I think if you go with that kind of a uh, comparison, I think, you know, if we have a bad result Sunday, on Monday he's kinda of coming in, kicking the cats and giving people like, you know, verbal in the ear. By Tuesday he's just starting to reconcile it, but you know, if you say or do the wrong thing he's still having a go at you. And of course if he's got a midweek game, he's forgotten all about, it. he's gotta prep himself for the Wednesday game. And uh <laughs> And you, so uh, he then and then repeats the cycle. When of course normally, if he hasn't got a midweek game, he calms himself down like us lot, and uh, he can get on with what, what he's meant to be doing, which is focused and then training the boys and prepping for the next game and that kind of thing. And I think that's slightly tongue in cheek, but I think there might be something in it because he's an emotional guy, and um, and you know I think well he, he could be like that. I mean his, his his pressers do sort of imply that he is a bit like that. I don't think a lot of that's I don't think he's been faux or over dramatic.
3: I think also the way he prepares the team is very meticulous and you know, some of the automations will be distinct for the opposition and the way he does training is to get the teams to do the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again so it becomes second nature. And I think um, with two games a week, he probably doesn't have enough time to prepare that um with team, you know, with the team, and it probably means that he's focusing on one game over the other. I think that's, you know, I think that's, you know, what his career, you know, all clubs suggests. And it's, with us, it's probably compounded by he's working with a very, you know, it's only a very small group of players that he actually trusts and he's working with, and that kind of compounds the problem.
1: That said, if we obviously we're, we're going to one game a week now for the rest mm-hmm. of the, rest of the season, and if that fits in very well for the way Conte. Um, you know brings uh brings his teams through and we and we get something uh like top four out of the season that's fantastic that being said, and i don't want to sound ungrateful but next season if we're in the champions league and we're fighting in the cups right. i don't want a manager who's not who, who's not going to do well in europe at all and if that's the kind of the, the case study quite. for him throughout his career then is he truly an elite manager oh, do you quite, mean like at the quite. at the very highest you, you you've level. all
0: managed to raise a a, a massive me that i hadn't even thought about a manager that don't do midweeks, is that what you mean? Yeah. yeah. Can't. I mean, we've got to certain, we've got to, I mean, in a sense, I, I can't disagree with a single word I've heard anyone say on this topic, but in another sense, I want to disagree with you all vehemently because it does rather put our Champions League run of next season in jeopardy before we've even qualified for it, doesn't it? We need the money,
2: though, so there's a silver lining. So. Yeah. <laughs> It's bizarre, though. It's bizarre, though. It could be a thing. It's, I think it's really bizarre it could be a thing, and we'll find out in these coming weeks whether having longer game, time between games is actually a thing. So, you know...
3: I mean, you've got to bear in mind that the season he won the Premier League with Chelsea they didn't have any European football yeah. so he had a yeah. lot of lot of weeks where he didn't have any midweek games to focus on and could just focus on the weekend we're, We are brilliant
1: Could we get Conti in for the league and Potch back for the Champions League <laughs> and just tag team it?
3: We're brilliant aren't we? We are brilliant though because we are
0: managing to psych ourselves out of next season's Champions League run before we've even qualified it and with some justification I may point out I mean it is very justifiable when you look at the statistics and the record behind everything that, that you've all been saying. I mean, it does make me
2: wonder a little bit about his slightly calm nature after the Borough game because maybe underneath he's thinking, "Well, oh, that's wicked, got no midweeks, got no extra games now. And the same way as the Europa Conference League, he never for one moment wanted to be in that, I don't think. Mm. Just I love that we've just, <laughs>
1: we're just we just coming off a 5-0 win against yes. Everton at home and our, our narrative now is, is our manager a bit shit? <laughs> In that, that Monday to Friday.
3: Ram, yeah, shit. Every silver lining has a cloud.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the Spurs way. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, we've gone from we've gone from ZZ top to some sort of like depressing uh, sort of portishead number, haven't we? It's like the the fury of a sharp dressed man, or you know, to, to... He, he, he must
2: wince at Liverpool with them going for the quadruple. Bloody hell! Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, how does Klopp yeah, do it? Why do you think Why do you think he has some? I mean, we, well, we talk tactically about it. Do you think there's a personal reason? Do you think he likes to have, uh, do you think he just enjoys like his midweek to be like a more of a social, has some wine, has some food, <laughs> so like cool. he doesn't want to put the, Michael, is, is it really, does he really need two days emotional recovery from a weekend's game? Oh, I mean, in all seriousness, is this what we're saying? And would that be, mm. would that really be tolerated?
3: I don't think it's that at all. I think, as I said, I think it's the pre- uh, the preparation and he's so meticulous. I just think it takes a long time to prepare for games, and I think um, the Borough game, you know, we looked undercooked. We, we didn't look like we prepared yeah. for that at all. Um, mm. Whereas today, whereas today we looked really, pre- you know, really pre- prepped I, for but, it, and on top of it.
0: But it's interesting Which- if we score first. In that borough game, and let's 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 be fair. Well, early doors, we looked like we were gonna, we were going to. We did go ahead with a goal that was uh, disallowed for. I'm not quite sure if it was offside or a foul. I think it was offside, fairly marginal, if I remember correctly. Uh, you know, I don't think we were particularly terrible against Middlesbrough. To be honest, I just think we were stodgy and pinned back by a very enthusiastic young Championship side who saw it as their night of as their cup final. As they did. I mean, for long stretches of that game, I still expected us to see it through. Uh, I, I think we should note that.
2: Yeah, I don't think we played that bad. It's a bit like uh, when Forrest beat Arsenal in the Cup. I mean, they're kind of up for it, and they're a you know championship team. But um, no, just going back to what Milo was saying. I mean, I think. I mean, I thought Conte, what he was all about was to coach the um, the same patterns all the time, so we get used to it. So surely, at some stage with any team he's with, they get used to that, and he doesn't always want to venture away from that because they're meant mm. to play the same kind of system each. So, surely after a while, his workload week to week becomes a bit less because the players are in tune and up to speed. So, you know, after a season, two seasons, surely he he can (laughs) do midweeks, basically.
3: Surely he can do (laughs) midweeks. He's never stayed in a club long enough to find out, Ricky.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. So many questions still to be answered about our Champions League run of next season. You know, how far will we go?
2: I still like, I still love Conte though. I'm not like, you know, it just seems a bit, it just seems a bit weird how these patterns do seem to be, well, potentially do seem to be true and people, you know, pick up on them. But we, you know, the proofs in the pudding, we're going to find out, aren't we?
0: We are indeed, and the pudding will be eaten and enjoyed by all of us, I believe, because I'm an optimist. So let's leave Borough alone. Let's move away from it. All questions of Antonio's Champions League run next season be banished till we start our Champions League run next season. Let's talk about the game at the weekend that could decide if we have a Champions League run or at least contribute majorly to whether we have one next season to look forward to as we go to Old Trafford to play Manchester United in a tea time kickoff I do like saying the words tea time together how lovely um I presume that most of us will not have been drinking tea as the game kicks off certainly people in the stadium let's just ask the two simple questions who should play and are you confident and I'm going to start with you Ricky Uh, Well, it depends
2: what's happened after tonight's game. Fingers crossed for Cess and Bentoncourt. I'd probably... Let's see who they got. Maybe uh, maybe Royal might play in this one, I think. Possibly. I'm not sure. Um, It depends who's fit for them, because obviously last weekend they had a big kind of fallout of all kinds of players, so... Their old boys seem to be pulling muscles. So, um, <laughs> um, who knows? Who knows? You mean the ones United. in the studio
0: absolutely caning them as they, uh, they are <laughs> pulling muscles? Yeah, Roy, to absolutely Roy, them, Roy like.
2: Keane absolutely loving slaughtering
0: them. And Gary um, Neville right in off the back of him, it has to be said, with Mika yeah. Richards in the role of defending them. Crikey.
2: Yeah. That's strange. But I think they're all sitting in the middle. Of, uh, I think on both the coverages, I think. Um, I think Mika had a nice chuckle, I think, and I think Torre as well was having a good old laugh between Sculzy and can't think of who the other chap was on the other coverage. But um, yeah, they're in a bit of a mess. United. I mean, I'm confident. I mean, all I'm going to say really is that we need to not lose this. I think after the win tonight, we're two games in hand, aren't we? With uh, two points behind, two games in hand. I think. That's right. As long as we can. and but I'm confident we can win it though. That's the thing with us. Mm. I think. They can be flaky as anything. I think Varane was out as well last week. Um, so we could fall into that same old thing where we just hit him on the counter. I mean, why not? Because I think United will try and have a go at us. So they're at home. Ram?
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think in terms of who should play, I would probably do. I would say more of the same as as this evening. But I would say if Skip is available and fit, I would put him in place of um, uh, Hoybier. And have a skip and uh, Bentancur in the centre, um, and I, I'm just basing that on <clears throat> what I think Skip can do, <laughs> you know, coming back. Um, but I I'd, I I'd, I'd keep it the same as as it, as it was this evening. Other than that, am I confident? <sighs> I would I'll, I'll say no because we don't. You know, we've we've had a couple of good results up at Old Trafford, but generally we we struggle up there. Um, and I'd say that man, you are hurting you know they've just lost a derby they'll they'll want to come out and you know and really put that right i think it'll be more down to i think if we play our game you know we we the way we played this evening um playing against a team like everton we always stand a chance but I think a lot will come down to how how low um, Man United players heads have dropped after the weekend
0: I'm going to give you the last word on this Milo so let me step in for a second and just say that I think um, we should absolutely pick the same side if everyone is fit uh, particularly in uh, I particularly think that SES will get some joy in this game um, if he plays I think uh, the the pitch uh, the, you know will, will suit him as will the opposition um, and I, 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 I look I'm not just saying this because I say every week and because I'm a hopeless heart-on-sleeve supporter I am very confident and I think that if we are to make the top four we need to win games like this and we need to more importantly believe that we're going to win games like this we need to go into games like this and be dominant and and uh, however that dominance asserts itself whether it be a controlled dominance or whether it be a going at them dominance sitting back going at them however we need to go out there with the stature of a team that believes they're going to win this football match so i think it's a very 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 important match that, uh, in the season and I, I believe we'll come. I believe we'll come
3: through it. I might say comfortably, but I do think we'll surprise a few people. I mean, I think in terms of a tactical match up. Um, I think you know, Man United will try to come at us, and we've had a fair degree of success playing through a press these last few weeks. So you know, Man City, Everton today Leeds, You know, we, we drew teams on and played through them with relative ease, and. I, I think that's what we'll probably we'll try and do against Man United at the weekend. I agree with Ricky that the most important thing is that we don't lose, but I think in our chase for top four, this game, the West Ham game and the Arsenal game feel really key because it gives us a chance to put a bit of distance between us and the teams around each other and all of the, these teams have got to play each other. Um so it becomes a mini league almost, doesn't it, between mm. kind of you know three four teams, four teams, you know, fighting for the fourth place. Um, becomes a mini league between now and the end of the season um, so it's it's really key I think it, it's, you know, it's, cr- it's crunch time really
0: crunch time it is and uh, let's hope that we are as up for the challenge at Old Trafford as we were tonight uh, we'll be back next week to discuss it this game against Manchester United uh, the Spurs world will either be jubilant or in the pits of despair but rest assured we will find the middle ground complete with silly similes and bare metaphors anyway uh, by the way I just want This to go on record. uh, Milo had written um, a joke in there that he considers much funnier and has declared that this is not funny and he will be cutting it. So if you hear this, you will know that he's a generous man who appreciates others' humour. And if you don't hear it, you will know that he is mean-spirited and doesn't like my humour and will cut me at any chance he gets whatsoever. (laughs) Can the game is about glory. Stand the shock and pressure of finding out the edit. Well, let's hope that we just beat Man United first so we have much more to talk about. So anyway, chaps, it was a good one. Cheers, Steph. Cheers, Steph. Thanks, Steph. Thanks, guys. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram, so give us a follow, say hello. If you've enjoyed this, please tell your pals and leave a glowing review on iTunes and Spotify. As always, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week.